good to be here. But this new series is on needs. And it's just on what are the basic needs that we all have and God's promises to actually meet them. One of the needs I have yesterday I had was, guess what? Today I have to fly to Alabama for a church conference with the ARC network of churches, awesome guys, awesome pastors, for a week. Myself, Pastor Rob, Pastor Trevor, we're gonna be back Friday. But that means to get there, I have to sit in the nine hour airplane ride to Atlanta and then hop back over to uh, Alabama after that. I'm not looking forward to nine hours on an airplane. So I told myself yesterday, I need to go to the beach at least one day. I need to surf or dive or something. So yesterday I got my fill, I was underwater diving and I was out at this baby shower that was like the, the name of what actually was supposed to happen, but I was in the water most of the time. And, um, but there's needs we have in life. It's just like, I don't want to sit in a place. Okay, at least I got some beach time. I'm feeling okay. Some of you guys right now, you have needs going on in your minds, uh, relationship problems. You have work, money problems. Some of you guys, anybody hungry? You didn't eat breakfast yet? Anybody? Come on, be honest. It's okay. Okay, there's a need, right? I'm, I'm hungry. I'll try to make this fast so you guys can go eat. But we all have these needs. And there's a guy named... Abraham Maslow. How many of you guys have heard of Maslow and his hierarchy of needs? Anybody take psychology courses and stuff like that? Okay, so super basic is that this guy, Maslow, originally in 1943 and then a little bit later, late 60s, early 70s, they came up with this list of eight basic needs that all humans need. They came up with this list, and I want to show you a picture of it. It looks like this. Some of you guys are familiar with this, but Basically, this guy Maslow came up with, here's the basic needs that we as humans have. And if we get those needs met, then we feel like we are a success in life. We live a fulfilled life. We live a life that says, basically, well-rounded. I'm still growing in all these areas, but I could die right now and be happy and self-fulfilled. And that's, I think, what we're all trying to get to. Jesus himself promised that, that the enemy, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is in John 10.10. But Jesus said, but I have come to give life abundantly, life to the fullest. And what we're, we're all after in life is that we could live a life that we could actually walk around and be going, man, I'm blessed in all these areas. God's meeting every need that I have. I'm, I'm able to give out. I'm connecting with God. I'm connecting with other people. That we could live the best life possible. It's in the slogan for our mission statement of, as a church is, we promise to give you the best life possible. And so with Maslow's needs, we're going to be looking in this series about these basic human needs. He came up with this list. Other scientists kind of spoke into it. They did the research and they go, basically, we, we pretty much agree that every human being, whether you walked in here today, you're not a Christian, whether you came from a poor background, whether you came from a rich background, whatever race, creed, country, whatever, wherever you came from, we all have these universal, common, specific needs. And if those needs somehow, some way could be met in our lives, then we're living this great life. And I want to take a stab at taking the, the, the needs that science has already kind of pointed out that says all human beings need. And I want to relate it to the word of God because there's a promise in the word of God in Philippians 4.19, as we just recently read in our perspective series on the book of Philippians. But 4.19, the apostle Paul makes this pretty big promise to us. He says, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs. This series is called The Needs to Succeed. In other words, success is having all of our needs met and knowing we're living to the fullest potential. This same God who takes care of my needs will supply all of your needs. Now, sidebar to this, the word needs here, it's not just, sometimes we get confused. We think it's God will supply all my wants, and it's not saying wants. 
It's not saying needs that we think are important. The word needs is literally means is what are your most, uh, what are the necessities? What is absolutely best for you? Sometimes, let me remind you of this as we go into the series, sometimes what is absolutely necess- necessary for us and best for our lives is not what we think is best for our lives and what we think are the needs that we have because God is bigger and better and he knows the bigger scheme in our lives. And so he knows. So Paul is saying, the God that takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. There's a qualifier because just because you say you're a Christian and you go to church, if you don't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your friend, your savior, your Lord, your king, if you don't really have an ongoing relationship with him, then this doesn't happen. The qualifier is you get all of these things which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of us have been Christians for a while. Some of us just became a Christian last weekend in services. Praise God. Welcome to our church. But either way, we have a hard time with these needs. We saw all of those needs and like you'd say, yeah, physical needs, I need those met. Uh, safety needs, I need those met. Cognitive needs, all of that list of things. I need all of those needs met. But do we really believe that Philippians 4.19 says God is the answer and he is the one that can really truly supply all of our needs? Because I don't know about you, but there's times in my life when I believe God can take care of other people's needs, but I don't know if he can take care of my needs. I've seen God heal people of depression, loneliness, anxiety. I got, I got letters, I got testimonies, I got those prayer praise cards that come in and go, God set me free after years of anxiety or depression or whatever. I've seen that and I go, oh my gosh, that's incredible. God, you are amazing. I just don't know if you could do it in my life and in my situation. Man, that marriage was saved and this and that. What I'm going through right now, God, I, it's, I, I've been praying for a while. I don't, I don't know if you can supply that need in my life. You can do it for them. You can do it for him or her. And, and, and I've seen people set free from addiction and finding freedom, but maybe you're sitting here today going, Carl, you know how many years I've been battling with this thing? And I believe that God can do it because I've seen him do it for other people. I still know if he can do it for me. I want us to tackle that one head on because as we go into this series on, on all the needs and how God meets them, we first of all have to have the faith to believe he can do it. Amen? Amen. We have to be convinced that he can actually do this. And I believe that this, that what we're going to talk about today is that God will meet all your needs, not necessarily wants, although he's a good father and he wants to give you what you want too, but he will, he can and will meet all your needs. But what we're talking about today is it takes a bit of faith. Faith has got to be the foundation. Otherwise, all of that, those needs that you have out there and the prayers that you throw up are just like guesses and just like kind of good luck and you're just kind of wishful thinking. But when you can actually live a life that's, that's grounded on faith, then you're going to start seeing all those needs becoming met. So we struggle with weak faith. I want to, I want to read you a story out of the, the New Testament in the book of Mark about a guy who had probably some weak faith like you and me. He's a guy that had the kind of, sort of faith. I kind of, sort of believe in God. Like, I, I kind of, sort of have faith, but not 100%, not really. And how does Jesus respond to that, and what can we learn from this in our lives to, to, to strengthen that kind of faith? Look at Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Mark 9, 17 is, um, it's a story of Jesus, okay? So, so let me give you the background. Jesus had um, been walking around and teaching, and if you read earlier in the Gospels, uh, he'd been doing ministry, and he's got a few of his disciples with him. He rolls up onto a crowd of people. There's a crowd of his followers that are going, we believe he's the man, he's done miracles, he's, he's really cool, he preaches truth. And then you got some of his disciples 
his inner circle guys that are like, yeah, no, Jesus is our boy. Like he's, he is the son of God. This is cool. And then you've got in this crowd, a bunch of religious Pharisees, a bunch of people that are like, no, nah, you know what? We believe the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, and we, we, are, we know all about sacrifice and law and going to temple. That's how you meet with God. Who's this new guy? He can't be the Messiah. No way. This isn't how you relate to God, this Jesus person. And so they're kind of the critics, and then you got the followers, and there's a massive crowd of people. So we come up to this crowd. Jesus walks up with a couple of his inner circle friends. Verse 17 in, in chapter Mark, and it says this. Let's, let's check this story out. One of the men in the crowd, not the, not the critics, but the crowd, spoke up and said to Jesus, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Let's just get with this right away, is evil spirits are real. Demonic possession, oppression, harassment, that stuff is real. Ephesians tells us very clearly, we don't just live in a world that's flesh and blood and physical and what we can see, but there are things going on at work in the heavenly realm that is messing with people. And oftentimes you, you, you find people or situations or problems and you're like, why is that not breaking? It's so weird, it's unnatural, it's supernatural and it's scary, but let's, oh, we don't believe that kind of stuff, we don't believe that kind of stuff. The Bible's like, no, that stuff is actually real. And there are times when demonic spirits hassle people and what maybe sometimes appears as physical problems has a little bit more background in actual spiritual problem. And so when we pray, oftentimes we don't just pray for the spirit, the physical healing, we pray against the physical attacks because there's a very real enemy that's out there, right? There is a loving God that wants us and there is an enemy, the devil, that is out to keep us away from God. So we're not gonna get all crazy into this thing, but Jesus walks up matter-of-factly and here's a guy that's going, my, my son's struggling with an evil spirit and it does stuff to him. And let's read what it does. It says, my kid is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So we're thinking, oh, epilepsy. But there's a little more to the story than just like he has a seizure. And so here's what the father says. He's, he's freaked out. His poor son is dealing with this. He says, so I asked your disciples to cast him out, out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, speaking to the crowds, you faithless people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. He kind of reprimands him a little bit, but he's also teaching us a lesson saying, if you had faith, this is a faith issue here. You faithless people, it's not happening because you're lacking of faith. But he goes, well, let me teach you something. Let me show you what I'm about to do. So they brought the boy. When the evil spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Jesus said, how long has this been happening? The boy's father replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. So this isn't just normal epilepsy. This is literally like this thing comes on him and whatever's going on in the kid's body tries to drown him, tries to throw him on fire. So this is where you start to realize this is more than just a physical thing. This is, this is spiritual. It's trying to destroy this boy. So here's what the dad says, talking about this kind of sort of faith that we kind of struggle with. He says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. See, why do we doubt? Why do we doubt Jesus? Why is this guy doubting Jesus? He's, he's heard that he can do miracles. He's probably seen someone with his own eyes. And yet he's like you and me. He's kind of like, man, I, 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 I think I brought him here, but can you help me? 
You think you can actually pull this off? Why do we doubt? I want to give you three reasons that maybe back up some of the reasons why we would doubt God in our lives. Well, can God supply all my needs? Yeah, maybe, right? What are the reasons we doubt? The first one is this, that God wants to answer your prayers, but he wants to do it not how you would do it. Just write that down. Sometimes I doubt because God wants to do not what I would do, not how I would do it. Some of us believe, well, I became a Christian, and I believe that from here on out, God's in my life, so everything's going to go perfect. Uh, everything's just going to just come together. I'm just going to have an awesome, perfect life, because that's how I would design it if it was up to me. Relationship with God, I meet him, my life becomes perfect. But God goes, there's more to it than that. It's a little bit deeper, and you're going to doubt me because I don't do it your way. But I'm God. I'm bigger. I'm better. I give you necessities, what's best for your life, not just what you think you need. Difference between need and want. So sometimes we doubt because, man, God, remember the Apostle Paul? If you guys read in Corinthians and you read about the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest pastors and early church leaders, church planters, but it says that he struggled with a thorn in the flesh. In other words, something that irritated him, bothered him, a problem. We don't know if it was physical, spiritual. People believe maybe it was blindness. We don't know what it was. But he said, three times I asked God to take it away from me. And every time he said, hey, my, my strength is sufficient for you in your weakness. And what Paul was going is, but that's not the way I would do it. I want my need met right now. I got this thing that's bumming me out and it's causing me stress. And, and God, should I still hold on and believe? Because you're not doing what I would do. The guy goes, no, no, no. I've got something better in mind. That every time you deal with that weakness, you would turn to me for strength. And so what I'm building in your life, Paul, is you're going to be a, a, an apostle, an example of living faith. You're going to have faith like no other because you have to hold on in the midst of still going through the hardship. So sometimes we doubt because we don't understand because God doesn't do it our way. Secondly, we doubt that, that God can meet our needs because we've tried things that didn't work. And we think they're too difficult. Think of this father. He loves his kid. He's bringing him to Jesus, but he already said this. I already tried to bring them to your disciples, your pastors, your leaders, or whatever. They couldn't fix him. They couldn't get the spirit out. So the father's kind of coming now. He's like, they couldn't do it. Can you help us if you can? Because I don't know if you can. See, some of us have been brought up thinking that, like, if I'm good in my life, and I don't, I don't swear, and I don't do drugs, and I don't you know, do this, and, like, everything is, I'm going to have all my needs provided. Oh, it didn't work. It's not working. Some of us have been to other churches. We've tried other religions. We've, we've even gone to pastors, and we have needs, and they can't meet our needs. We're only human, right? There's times when we're like, this is the best we can do. And so we're scared to go to God. We doubt him because we're like, eh, God, maybe I'll give it to you if you can. Because I've tried this. I've tried that. I went to Christian school my whole life, and I went to Catholic school. I went to this, whatever, and it didn't really seem to do anything for me. So sometimes we doubt simply because we've tried it, and it hasn't worked. Sometimes we doubt because of negative influences in our lives. We surround ourselves with people that don't believe that God can meet our needs. Therefore, we go with popular opinion. And I know there's people that, that are, uh, you have wives, husbands, boyfriends, girlfriends, you're in relationships with people, you're trying to seek God, you're trying to have faith in him, you're looking to get your needs met, but you have that other partner or spouse or whatever, and they're speaking into your life going, how can you believe in a God you don't see? Oh, this is a joke. What are you doing? Like, prayer is not going to work. Let me offer you some other things that will meet your needs, right? Like, maybe you need to come to the bar with me. That's going to erase everything. Maybe you need to smoke a little bit of this. You'll feel better about this. Maybe you just need to hook up with this person and these friends, and you need to buy some stuff, spend some money. This will meet your needs better. So sometimes we doubt 
Because we got these wrong voices speaking into our lives. Whatever reason we doubt, some of us can relate to some of this stuff. You're right. That hits a nail on the head. I'm doubtful of God. And so what Jesus wants us to understand is that it's okay to have doubts, but know that he is the answer still. Look at the next verse in, in Mark 9. Well, 22, he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Uh, don't you love Jesus too? He just comes back with this statement. What do you mean if I can? You know who you're talking to? <laughs> See me walk on water? Can you do that? No, right? I just love Jesus. He's just like straight. What do you mean if I can? He says anything is possible if a person believes. He just gives them a statement of truth. He goes, you know what? Anything can happen if you have the faith in me to make it happen. I can do it. You doubting me if I can? The problem is not with me, it's with your faith, right? So he just tells it to us straight. The father instantly gets that little rebuke, and this is cool. He cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. This guy's trying his best. He's like, I love my son. My son is getting worked. He's like, this, this, this demon, this evil spirit is in him. It's like trying to kill him. And man, I just, I just want healing for my son. And Jesus comes and questions his faith. Why, why are you saying, if I can? Why are you doubting, you faithless generation, you faithless people? And here's this poor guy, and you read it in the scripture, and you just think it says the word, I cried out. But the reality is, you, I looked up this word. In the original language, the Bible is written in, in this passage, it was written in Greek. And it uses this word for cried out. It uses this word, kradzo. Can you say kradzo? Try that. One, two, three. Kradzo. I like to read the original words. That's just a fun word to say, kradzo, kradzo. Here's the deal. This father who loved his son so much, bringing him to Jesus, but not really sure it's gonna, he's going to get the miracle or not, I don't know. He kradzos. He cries out. Look at what this word means. To croak as a raven. I didn't even know ravens croaked. Did you guys know that? Like to croak as a raven. I don't know what a raven sounds like. That's close. But... The word means to scream, to yell, to call aloud, and to shriek. Here's this guy with weak faith going, ah, I do believe, but uh, help me because I don't believe. Like he's, like, he's just like torn. There's tension in him. Like, I want to save my son's life, and I, I, I think you can do it, but I'm not really sure. And he's just emotionally just wrecked. And here's what I love about this, I'm gonna give you two things that we see in this story about how to build our faith. First one is this, write this down, you have to be honest with your faith. Here's a dad that is 100% completely honest and he's just like, ah, it's so, I, I don't know, I wanna believe, but I, I don't. And he's questioning and he's like, he's struggling, he's got tension, he's, poor guy's croaking like a raven, right? I don't know what's going on, but think about this. In front of all of these people, in front of Jesus' followers, the crowds, the Pharisees, this man is breaking down and just being gut, heart, honest, raw, and real. I believe that Jesus likes raw and real faith. I believe he does. That we have to start by being honest with your faith. If you're doubting in here and you've got needs in your life and you're like, came to church today, I don't know if it's even going to help. Well, just get to the point where you can be raw and real and admit that to God. Jesus likes when your faith is raw and real. Because the opposite is that he hated the fake faith 
of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day. Everywhere you read in the New Testament, it was all the guys that were pretending to be holy and look all cool and like come to church every week and like, hey, hallelujah, brother. Uh, praise God. Everything's good in your life. How you doing? I'm, I'm awesome. I'm amazing, right? And then the reality is they weren't living that. They had fake faith. They weren't living the things of God out. They were hypocrites. They were mean to people. They were mean-spirited. And Jesus goes, I hate that. He calls them a brood of vipers. What he's saying to us is this father comes and he's just like, ah, I don't know if I believe. I don't know if I have that kind of faith. Jesus honors the raw and real faith because here's the thing. God can't fix it unless you admit it's broken, right? God can't fix anything in your life. He can't grow your faith unless you admit that you don't really have much faith. If you want to try to whitewash it and fake it and be all passive and whatever, then God's like, well, be honest or be stuck. Stay honest or stay stuck. You're going to stay stuck in that faith, and it's going to always stay small unless you can get real enough to admit where you're at. Then I can come in and I can begin to move in your life. Cry out, admit your doubt, your anger, your hurt, your confusion. God can take it. Did you know it's okay to kradzo at God, to yell out at him? He's a big God. He can take it. He doesn't get his feelings hurt. How many of you guys, guys have little kids that throw tantrums? Anybody? How many of you have like a spouse that throws tantrums, eh? right? You can take it, right? You're like, all right, you're just having your little deal. Five minutes in the corner, honey. You know, like husband, go sit in the corner. But, but God's a big God. And I love that he likes this raw and real faith. You ever read the Psalms, King David sometimes? He's just whining. He's complaining, God, where are you? How come you're hiding your face from me? When will you come back? When will you step into my situation? He's cradzoing. He's freaking out. But here's what God loved about David is that he was all heart. He was all honest. He was raw and real. And the scripture says that he was a man after God's own heart. He likes raw and real. Do you, some of you need to know it's okay today in your prayer time or whatever, even out loud, to cry out to God and go, God, I don't know if I have faith. Guy goes, okay, Thank you for admitting that. Let's work on this thing together. There's times in my life when I was going through such hardship and heartache and not knowing where my life is at that I actually, in the middle of the night, my wife's sleeping, my kids are in bed and everything. I go out and I walk. We kind of live near a lake in, in Keolu in China Lakes area. I would go out and it's super windy night so that there's all the kind of noise and nobody can hear me. And I go out to like kind of like a, a faraway place away from the houses and I just yell. I just yell at God. I don't know if, if that's going to discourage your faith. Your pastor yells at God. But I, I cradzo, man. I get in the middle of the night. I was going through some really hard stuff. And I'm like, God, I want to believe you so bad. I'm like, ah! And I say words that probably aren't even appropriate in church. Is it okay to admit that? I'm just like, ah! Why? Because I'm trying to be as real as I possibly can with this God that I believe in, but my faith is shaky right now. And I just want to get real with him because I want him to see where I'm at. Because if I try to hide it, he can't do anything with it. But when I come raw and real, man, I do that. There's times I go for, for bike rides and I get out to different places and I just kind of sit on the side. Nobody around is like, God, ah, oh, what's going on? I want to believe. But, but it's hard for me right now. You got to get real. You know, when I went, went on a sabbatical uh, years ago and I was just going through this time where, where everything was kind of crashing down in my life and I was freaking out and I was holding on with shaky faith, one of the things that, that got me into a new hobby was going diving and diving for shells. Because part of the therapy is that like you crowd out the whole noise of the world around you when you're underwater. It's beautiful. God gives you treasures to find. But the other thing is I can kradzo into my snorkel and nobody hears. <laughs> Except the fish are like, whoa, what? Rawr! 
going, right? So I'm having these crazy prayer sessions underwater, diving around, and nobody even needs to know. Just me and like a couple fish are like, oh, this guy's crazy. What's going on? But you got to get to the point. This is such a good story. Here's a father that's just being as real as possible, and he's just crying out to this guy. You need to know that Jesus met him where he was at. You need to know that the, the rest of the story is that Jesus goes, okay, bring the boy over here. I like your heart, Dad. I like how you care for your kid. I like how you're honest with me. I can work with that. And he healed the boy, and he did this amazing, dramatic miracle, but it starts with honesty. Here's the second one, second point I've got for you is that I see from this father. Use the faith that you've got, even if it's little. Jesus said, a mustard seed size of faith can move mountains. He's basically painting a picture of, if you believe a little bit, I can work with that. So just start with what you've got. James 2.26 says, faith is dead without good works. In other words, act on the faith you've got. Use whatever faith that you have. Matthew 7.7, Jesus said, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. And in other words, keep bringing your needs to God. The, the word that actually means, it says, the father brought his son to Jesus. The word brought, I, I forget the word, it's krateo or something like that, but it means with strength, with effort, he carried his boy to Jesus. That means that you need to keep on bringing your needs before God even when it's hard to do. Even when it's hard to show up to church on a Sunday morning because you're just, you're full of doubt, you're not really sure your faith is like this big, use that faith, show up at church, get here. Keep reading your Bible, keep seeking. You know, sometimes when I'm just, I'm not feeling the presence of God, even in worship it's all going on, you know what I do? Sometimes, listen to this, sometimes I close my eyes and I raise my hands out of the feeling that I'm getting and it's just a response, I'm like, God, I just, I surrender all to you. But sometimes, you know what it is? It's me using little bit of faith because I'm not feeling it in worship right now and I'm having to stir it up so I posture myself in faith so that that feeling comes and I can connect with God and you know what it usually works it usually so you guys are going to watch me now and you don't know where I'm at <laughs> well Carl feeling it today he's not he's we can't tell his arms are up but the reality is I'm trying to use whatever faith I've got because I want to receive something from God here's the father going, but your disciples failed. I don't know if I really believe. And yet he made the effort to bring his boy to Jesus. He still made the effort even if his faith was little. Keep bringing your needs to God. Keep going to church. Keep going to connect group. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. For some of you, it's just an accomplishment that you showed up in church today. Remember the story last week about the prodigal son? That the, the son, he didn't deserve to come back home to the father, but guess what the son did? He showed up. He just showed up and he goes, I don't know what's going to happen, but I have enough faith that maybe something good will happen. He just showed up. Some of you guys need to be proud of yourselves for just showing up in church today because you know you're carrying burdens and you got stuff going on and there's a lot of distractions that didn't want you in church today and yet you showed up today. Would you turn to the person next to you, give them a high five and say, you showed up, congratulations. Just tell them, you showed up in church today. That's big. You're using... The faith you've got. Some of you don't have very much faith this morning, but you showed up and God is going to honor that. I love that. And, and we're talking about the, the needs right on that, that, that pyramid there. And the first bottom two are like the physical needs, right? What are the things that we need in life? The, the sleep, the food, the warmth, the, you know, the clothing, all of that, just basic needs. And then our safety needs, that we need some order in our lives. We need to protect the stuff that we do have. Look what Jesus speaks about these needs. 
if we would just use the faith we have. Matthew 6, 31, he says, don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear, the physical needs. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father, he already knows your needs. So here's what you need to do. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. It just says, like, plain and simple, it's like, use whatever faith you got that God promises to meet your physical needs. There's been times in my life, guys, I've, I've, I'm not a rich man, and the cars I've had and I've driven are like the worst cars. Some of you guys can relate, but um, there's been cars that we've had that we've prayed over. Like, we know that there's something wrong. It's making noise, and it's like shimmying and all of this stuff, and we're like, well, we need to get it to the mechanic and have enough money to get it fixed and all that. There was a time once when uh, Kanani had a car, this is not too long ago, we were youth pastors, and it was just like, you could just tell something was wrong with it. I don't, I'm not a mechanic, but it was like, and shaking and making noise and all of this stuff. And, and sometimes it wouldn't even start, and we just prayed, we need to get this to the mechanic. We think we can have the money to fix it and everything. But we literally went down to our garage and we laid hands on the car. In Jesus' name, God, you said you will supply all of our needs, including the physical needs of a car. In Jesus' name, help us to get this car to the mechanic. So we got in, started right up. It was making all of its noise. She got down to the mechanic. The mechanic literally opened the hood and he goes, how did you drive this here? And we're like, what do you mean? She's like, no. And he reaches in and he pulled out like, I don't know, I think he pulled out like a belt that was just frayed and ripping and it wasn't even on. He goes, how did you drive this car here? This shouldn't even be able to run. And Kanani just said, prayer. <laughs> we just prayed. We prayed over the car. We laid hands on the car. Here's the thing. God says, use whatever little faith you got. God, is it possible you could actually get a car to work that like, shouldn't even be running? Well, God says, yeah, it's possible. Just use whatever little faith you got. Am I ringing your bells here today? Is that making sense to you? He'll meet your physical needs. He'll meet your safety needs. Psalm 46.1 says, God's a safe place to hide He's ready to help when we need him. That means whatever anxiety and chaos, man, I went through a really rough season a few years ago. I, I, I talk about this often because it's a testimony. It encourages my own faith when I talk about it. I was going through such a rough time, and I was on sabbatical. I was away from the church. We brought in a guest speaker, this pastor, Rick Bizet, that some of you guys know we've had him preach. I'm going to meet with him this week. But he came in, and he saw our church, and it was, it was like, I don't know if everybody could see it, but we lost several hundred people. My life was a wreck. I was battling all this stuff. I was like, what's going on? Why, why is this happening to me? I'm a good boy. It's not working out the way I thought it should. God, what's going on? And in the midst of it, I never even met the pastor. He came, he spoke, spoke life into our church, and um, I went through my season, and God strengthened me and our family and our staff and our church, and we came out of it. We changed our name, and God just did a really great work. But two years later, the same pastor that came and guest spoke when our church was falling apart, I go to a little conference and I see him. So I go up and I go, hey, I'm, I'm that guy from that church in Hawaii. He goes, oh yeah, that's nice, which church? I said, like, I wasn't there, I never met you, but you spoke in my church and our church was kind of falling apart. My life was falling apart. And he just goes, oh, this guy, Pastor Rick Bizet. Let me show you a picture of him. Some of you guys remember him. I'm gonna go be with him this week. Well, this guy, he goes, wait, he says this. He pulls me back and he goes, you're the guy? You're that guy? And you survived? You're here, to, you made it? You, how's your church? Your church doing okay? Yeah, we're growing again. We did all this. You, you're here, you made it? Praise God. Praise God that you're still here. And let me tell you this, in the middle of the time two years ago when I had shaky faith, God, I don't know if you're gonna pull this thing off, and I'm praying for safety, is that my God showed up and he proved himself in Psalm 46.1. 
He is a safe place to hide, ready to help when we need him. See, your small faith will begin to grow as you exercise it, but you just have to have small faith. A big life, life fulfilled, starts with small faith. Here's a third thing that I see in this story that's so good, is that when you do get that big, big faith and it begins to grow, it's gonna bring more and more fulfillment. Your faith will bring fulfillment. Here's a, let me share this story with you guys, scripture. Old Testament, book of Daniel. There's these three Jewish godly young men. They're probably teenagers. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys heard this story before? They were like standing for God. They were confident in who they were. And the king of Babylon at the time says, hey, everybody in my kingdom needs to bow down to my statue. Worship idols when I tell you to. And these three guys said, nah, you know what, king? We're, we're not into that. We serve one God, and we're just, we're just not going to do it your way. We're going to take a stand. They have the kind of faith that we're all trying to get to here as it grows. And look at the results that come with strong faith. In, in Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the king said, you bow down or I'm throwing you into a, a furnace and I'm burning you up, burning you alive, you will die. Here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. Oh, king Nebuchadnezzar, look, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve, he is able to save us. In fact, he will rescue us from your power. Talk about one of the greatest faith statements in the Bible. Our God is able and he will rescue us and save us from your power. But you want to hear an even greater faith statement? Look at the next verse. Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Look, we believe our God can rescue us. We have that kind of a faith. But here's, here's the extra ounce of faith that we have. Even if God doesn't do it our way, we're still holding on to our God because he's faithful, he's in control, and we're living fulfilled enough lives that say we're willing to die today in a blazing furnace. If that's the case, we are not gonna diminish our faith in God. Is that cool? That's the kind of faith we're all trying to build up to, but you only get there by exercising it. I wanna give you one last story real quick because that's great for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that happened like, few thousand years ago, and they were these holy men. What does that look like today in our age, 2017? Let me tell you a story about some people that I love very dearly. They're actually family, but some of our, our best friends. And, and it's a picture of this family right here. This is the Tenberg family. This is my wife's sister, Julie, and their kids, Shiloh, Evie, Selah, Liv, and Gabriel. We call him Jibo. So that's my brother-in-law. Now, let me just tell you a story about faith, because this is the kind of faith I see in them that we're all trying to work our way up to. He was, they're both from Hawaii, but they were living in the mainland for a long time. He was in the surf industry, a clothing designer. He was working for Hurley. Um, he had a pretty good position. Hurley was in the process, this is a few years ago, of Nike buying out the brand Hurley. So in the process, they downsized. He got laid off from his job. A couple other people, a bunch of people got laid off. And in the midst of that, they're going, whoa, I'm, he's saying, I'm the main source of income in this family. Julie does uh, off jobs here and there, modeling and some stuff like that, but not steady income. So in the midst of going, oh my gosh, God, we have no income, we have a mortgage to pay, we have all of this stuff, someday we'd like to move back to Hawaii, but man, the times are tough. He talks to a friend of his, here's another model of awesome faith, a friend of his that also just got laid off from Hurley and said, hey, you know what, in the times when things are the toughest, that's when we need to increase our faith, not de decrease it. So he goes, wow, coming from a guy who got laid off also, and this guy has five kids, and his wife just died of breast cancer. And he's going, no, nah, when things get tough, that's when you, you 
double down the most, and that's when you need your faith the most. So Jibo and Jules prayed about it, and God told them, in this time of you not having steady income, I want you to double tithe. So for months, they said, God, this doesn't make any sense, but the income that we do have, we're going to double it for you because we need more of you in this hard time. And they increased their faith, okay? Now listen to the fulfillment because you're going, oh, that's, that's stupid. How did they survive? The reality is what I want to paint the picture of you today, the faith we're all trying to get to, is that right during that time as they began to start tithing, their, I don't know how this all works, and this, he doesn't even know how it works, but this is what happened. His mortgage fixed rate turned to an adjustable rate, and their mortgage on their house dropped by hundreds of dollars, and then it just kept dropping for a while. So right as they're giving more money to God, God is giving money right back to them in their, their, uh, their mortgage. Not only that, he gets hired on to the top surf clothing brand at the time. It wasn't Hurley. It was Quicksilver. So God goes, okay, you've been tithing and you've been faithful. I'm going to promote you to the number one top brand in the surf industry. And I'm going to put you as the vice president over the board shorts, which is the number one selling department of that brand. So basically, number one department, number one surf brand, you probably have the most stable job in the surf industry right there. And because they honored God. So God promotes them to that. Then here comes another further blessing. Their daughter, Selah, gets picked as the one seventh grade girl from all of California, they got picked to be a student at Kamehameha High School that, that year, or, or junior high school that year. The one seventh grade girl happened to be that family. They've been praying, God, someday we want to get back to Hawaii. And God goes, okay, I get, I'm just going to open this crazy door of opportunity in your business, your mortgage, and now your daughter is going back. So now they're going, wow, the, the, the fulfillment is over and above what we can handle, God. What do we do? And they prayed on it, and God said, your girl's going to go to Kamehameha. This is your opening. Go back to Hawaii. However, step of faith, you move back to Hawaii, you have no source of income. You have no job again. Now you have to scramble. There isn't big surf industry here in Hawaii with the kind of money that you need. So they did it anyway. Step of faith. Jules had to move back early with the kids for months, get the place set up. Jibo had to, to, to try to sell the house, finish his job, but they're not going to have money to get started. Hawaii, cost of living, you guys know, it's expensive. But because they, they followed God and said, move back to Hawaii, listen to this. The, the company that he was working for unexpectedly said, well, you know what? You're such a good, valuable employee. We're going to pay you one full year of severance, full-time uh, everything you've been making, you can leave here, but you have one full year of pay. So God provided the full year for them to write it out and, and to get started and get situated. He had enough time and, 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 and wits. He started a business in Kailua, um, the local, the shave ice place in Kailua. My daughter works there, but Jibo owns that place. He hasn't seen a lick of profit yet. He probably said he won't for a few years because of all the startup fees. So it's all of this walk of faith is like, God, I'm going to trust you, but I, I need to know that you're going to take care of my needs. And in the process, man, they have been scoring the greatest rental places to live. Right now, God got them the craziest deal. They, they don't even have a lot of income. He's doing side jobs and trying to make it work, but they're being blessed every single day. Remember, it goes back to what I said. Here's the God that meets your needs, and it's not about being a rock star, a scientist, the richest billionaire in the world. It's about living a life that is fulfilled. They live right on the beach at Gas Chambers, which is right down from Rocky Point and Pipeline, right on the beach paying this crazy cheap rental 
fee. Jibo doesn't have this ongoing, like, solid income job, but God is meeting all of their needs. Their son is trying to grow up to be a pro surfer. He's homeschooled. He gets to surf every day in his front yard, every single day on the North Shore. And they've been planted in a Christian community. I can tell you all of the different things. It would take too long. But it's a story that I know of someone that says, we're going to live the kind of life of faith that says we're going to, even if God doesn't show up, we're going to keep holding on to him. And it's a story that God has for you that he will bless you and he'll give you a full life. It may not look like you're a superstar or you're, you're, you're a Nobel Prize winner, but it's that you are the best you can be in a life fulfilled with God. And that goes back to Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so I just want you to hold on to that as we move into this story is that God can and will meet all your needs. You just got to make sure that you have that little bit of faith. Man, be honest and real with it. Use the faith that you have and watch as God brings fulfillment in your life. Is that a good word for you this morning? Let's bow our heads, let's pray, and we'll get you on with your day. God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for the stories of, of uh, power in people's lives and that, that you're real and we can, we can risk it and we can have faith in you and that you're gonna come through for us. And Lord, our faith says even if you don't do it the way that we want, you're still good and things will still work out. So God, as we move forward in this series, learning about all of our needs and how you meet them, help us to have the kind of faith that is ready for anything. The kind of faith that even if it's small, that we are real with it, we're raw with it, that you honor that honesty, but also that that little faith put into action will begin to grow and get stronger and stronger. And we're going to see what you can do with our lives, our relationships, our income, our schooling, our career, everything. Lord, we trust you. I just want to pray this morning, if there's anybody here today you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. In other words, you've never really allowed him to be your God, to lead. You might have been to church before, you might have read the Bible before, but that is not the same as surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and really letting him have control and him lead you forward. His way is always better than, than your way and my way. So if you are here this morning and you just want to take a step of faith towards God, give him permission to do what he can do in your life, a prayer that says you want to be a Christian and follow him. I want to pray with you in a minute here. This is how we're going to do it. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to pray the words out loud. I'm going to ask that you would pray them in your heart right now. I know some of you guys, it would be scary if I made you pray out loud right now. So we're going to take care of the heart issue first. This is between you and God. And afterwards, you can go and you can tell people and you can let people know that you made this step. But right now, you're just, you know that something's pulling on your heart and it's a, it's a, it's a personal thing between you and God. And so if you want to pray this prayer to, to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to become a Christian, to take a step of faith and see what he can start doing in your life, allow me the privilege of leading you in this prayer. I'm going to pray it out loud. You're going to pray it in your heart quietly to God and God will honor that. But if you want to pray that, I'm going to ask you one thing right now. With every eye closed and head bowed, would you just raise your hand to say, Pastor Carl, I'm going to pray that with you right now. Can you hold it up high, please, just so I acknowledge you. I see you right here. I see you. I see you. I see you. I'm looking around. I'm trying to see everybody. I see you over there. I see you over there. I see you, sir, on the side. Awesome. I'm looking. If I miss you, just wave at me. I see you, buddy, right there. That's so cool. Good, good. For all of those hands that went up right now, this is your prayer right now to God. Let me pray it out loud. You just make this a prayer of your heart. God, I believe in you here today. Lord, my, my faith and my belief might be small, but according to your word, you honor that and you're gonna come inside and strengthen that. So Lord, I'm telling you right now, I believe in you. I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sin and my separation from God and, and that I couldn't have a relationship with God because I'm a, I'm a 
messed up human being like every person created here on planet Earth. But because of you, Jesus, you made a way at the cross and the empty grave for me to come back, come back home to the Father that created me, that loves me. So God, I'm here right now in my heart praying, Lord, and telling you that I believe in you, that from here on out, I'm gonna take a stand for you as I read my Bible, as I grow with you, as I go to church, as I get baptized, as I receive all the power of your Holy Spirit in my life, because I need some help, God. Lord, I'm telling you, I'll follow you all my days. Lord, I'm thankful that you died on that cross for me, that from this day forward, I am your child, and you're gonna begin to do good stuff in my life. Lord, I'm thanking you for this right now. I look forward to all that you have in store for me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we praise God with those people right now? Raise your hand. Pray that. Amen. Amen. Hey, look, we don't want to make light of that. That was honestly, like, it's so funny. We just like, hey, it's the end of the service. Let's clap and whatever. You just changed your eternity. If you raise your hand, that's a huge, that's a big deal. We want to make sure we know about it because we want to celebrate with you. We want to help you. So if, there, if you would take out that connect card and the seat back in front of you, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, check off the box that says, I just said yes to Jesus. Put your name on it. You can either drop it anonymously, quietly in the offering bucket as it goes by, or you can even do one better. Right after service, take that card, go to the blue wall in the middle of the courtyard, take it to someone out there, give it to them. They're gonna give you a free Bible. They're gonna show you all the different ways you can get involved in our church. We just wanna be with you in this journey, welcoming you into the family of God. 